And here we are with another episode of the Bianca Del Rio podcast. And today we're venturing across the pond, perhaps. My English is really, really bad. Actually, my accent sounds like something Madonna would do. But this next lady is an English television personality. She's an actress, singer, fashion designer, model. You might know her from the Osbournes, and you might even know her from Dancing with the Stars or her stint on Fashion Police. She's the lovely and talented Miss Kelly Osborne. We sat down this week to chat, and this is how it went. And here we are again with another episode of the Bianca Del Rio podcast. And today, I've got a lovely lady who I happen to know. We've hung out many times backstage. We've been at many gay events, because honestly, where else are we going to find either one of us? She's an English television personality, actress, singer, model, and fashion designer, the lovely Miss Kelly Osborne. How are you? Oh my God, Bianca, you have no fucking idea how excited I have been because I'm doing your podcast today. This like, is cr- well, I called my mom and I was like, Mom, I cannot come to lunch today. And she's like, Why am I? Because I totally forgot I'm doing Bianca's podcast. There's no way I'm rescheduling that. <laughs> well, thank I you for. Early. I went and got my hair blow dry. Looks good. You've done it all. Counting down the minutes. Well, I thoroughly appreciate the effort. And I recently just ran into you in Mm -hmm. Los Angeles because I was on the road doing uh, this thing called Drive and Drag, which is through Voss Events. It was a traveling drag show in parking lots. Although in in Los Angeles, we were in the Rose Bowl, grassy knoll area next to the stadium. Uh, And Kelly was there because we have a mutual friend. And she came backstage. We said hello. And I mentioned, hey, would you be interested in the podcast kind of a thing? And then look, the magic all worked out. Yeah. You know, that sounded like a big snobby, like L.A. story. So she was in my dressing room. And I said, they actually saw where we were and what we were doing. You'd be like, ah, this is trash. No glamour (laughs) at all. It just goes to show how fucking incredible the gay community is to be the only community that has put together some form of entertainment that is traveling. Without a doubt. Throughout this last year, you guys have been the only one that's been doing it. It's what I look forward to because I've gone every time. And of course, because Jason's there. Jason's our mutual friend, Jason. Yes. And the crazy. And now he's the head bitch in charge. He is. Yeah. He's running the show. And what was great is that I had known Voss events for quite some time and they had gone out and done two other successful tours. So they said, would you want to come along? And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And I actually had fun. It was nice to have a schedule again. Mm -hmm. It was nice to be, it was nice to see an audience, even though they were in their cars. But the tricky part, I got to say, was my feet because I had to wear heels and I haven't worn fucking shoes. I mean, you've been doing everything. You've been doing everything from home too. Like, yeah, yeah, like, fuck this. I don't need it. No pants, no nothing. Letting it all hang out. If you really saw what I had on the bottom <laughs> half of this outfit, I forgot <laughs> fucking sweatpants on because I'm like, ah, oh, fucking no one can see. No one can see. It's, and it's- it, this whole new way of living and doing things is just, it's, it's nuts. But moments like that drag show, it meant so much to me because it was like the first time I'd been out of my house and been around people. Yeah. And I got to meet all the queens that like I'm obsessed with and yes. like, follow on TV and on Instagram and to see, you know, 
how that show is put together. It's just, it is literally the most fun thing. I don't care who you are, where you're from. There's nobody who can't enjoy that. Well, that's good. Well, you know, I tell you, this year has taught us a lot. First and foremost, like, you know, not having a schedule has made me a little crazy. And so what have you been doing? Yeah, you go on psycho. Like, what have you been doing during this pandemic? And if you tell me you were making bread, I'm going to say, go fuck yourself. Okay, anytime I saw anybody making bread, I was like, I hate you. Exactly. (laughs) oven sets you on fire while you're sleeping because you're pretending to have fun making fucking banana bread. Well, everyone's dying. Like, yeah, hello. <laughs> that's why I was like, your banana nut loaf isn't going to make this okay. Like, no, it's not. And I don't, <laughs> you know, okay. how do you feel about people's pictures of food on Instagram? Because, okay, this is like a deal breaker for me. Okay, so I, this is, I'm the same. Like, so one of my best friends. Okay. He, his name is Nick. Mm-hmm. And he is a total foodie. And as a result of him being a foodie, once a week, <laughs> we try, we have this whole thing where we have a dinner group. Yeah. <laughs> sorry where um this is like it's so bad that i'm actually admitting this yes but go but ahead do tell okay i will tell. okay so we have figured out like it's called the hustle and mm-hmm. basically we get a free meal once a week oh. for all our friends. <laughs> and it's just worked out that way and we're like how long can we keep this going yes so, for example, we went to this one restaurant and they set my friend's hair on fire by accident. So how, wait, wait, like, wait, <laughs> wait, how, how does it happen by accident? Are you like at a... Like, like we're at like some weird place I've never been to before. And every two, like 20 minutes on the dot, they would come out with these like fireworks and everything. <laughs> was, like exciting yeah. and they were playing like crazy Mediterranean dance music. Yeah. And then it, but while people are just sat there eating, like yes. eating away from each other. I'm and like, you're like, what the fuck? Is, like, what is this? Where am I? Yeah. And as they're doing like one of their fun like moves, yes. they slip the firework into my friend's hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then they were like, free meal. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but did you, did you laugh at first? Or, no, did I you didn't la- notice, right? Oh, you did even better. Okay. Right, so, I filmed it all and yeah. I put it on Instagram and basically it all happened so quickly. His hair set on fire and he <laughs> went like this because he felt like tickling him and that motion put his hair out. No. And then, so like I put the video up, not even noticing it. And then my phone was just going off. Like the ding, the ding, the ding. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What? And they're like, they set him on fire. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I went back and I watched the video <laughs> and we couldn't fucking believe it. So, and I will say the food is unbelievable at this restaurant. So yeah. we are so excited that we get to go back and have our second Free meal. So you get a free meal. So yeah. this is basically, is this the foodie friend that you're with? That yeah, you travel? So okay. he's a foodie friend and he takes pictures of his food on Instagram. And that's what I was getting to is that I, he, he now, because I had such a problem with it, was like, you need your own food Instagram because when we're together, like. it's a, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's like, I okay, don't like it. when of our meal is taken for pictures. And I'm like. I can't. Don't you want to eat your food? <laughs> right. It's like, we know what spaghetti looks like. We know what shrimp looks like. And all food pictures kind of look the same. Let's same. be real. But I, yeah, I don't need to see it. And nor do I go, ooh, whatever I want to eat. This carries a ring light. Right. Oh, no. that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's far too much for me. And I'm like, no, dude, don't, don't break out that <laughs> ring light when we're at dinner because this is embarrassing for everyone involved. Does he film every course? Every, like, appetizer? Yeah, like, okay, so it's... It, it's this group of people. It's my best friend, Daniel. Okay. Uh, Sai mm-hmm. from America's Got Talent. Um, yes. 
uh, sometimes Dorothy Wang mm-hmm. and my friend Nick and all of us, we love food and I, yes. it's up to them. So one restaurant we went to and I got sick. So then they gave us the meal for free and then we got the <laughs> next one for free. Last okay. week, we got it for free because of a charity thing that we did for the restaurant. Yeah. This week, we're going back and getting a second free meal. And we're like, let's see how long we can stretch <laughs> it out for. I like, think- Listen, if anybody's listening to this podcast, it's over, bitch. You ain't getting nothing for free anymore. <laughs> they, they're going to see you coming and they're going to go, mm-mm, no, not, not. It's all these like freaks of nature that have happened to her. I'm like, okay, I did not ask you to set his hair on fucking fire, but it was so worth it. What a great way to get a meal. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't understand. Like I get so, I don't like making decisions. I don't know if this is most, but like when I get to a restaurant, I just kind of go, I like to listen to what everyone else is getting. And then I just usually picks whatever somebody else gets. Because yeah. if I look at the menu, I go, mm, do I want this? Do I feel lasagna? Do I feel burger? Do I feel, it's just so much easier for me to go just like her. Yeah, exactly. There's too much decision making going on there because yeah. what's going on in here is crazy enough as it is. And if you try and make me make a decision on top of that, we're all fucked. And we're no, all going for an hour. No, and I'm going to get a sweaty top lip and feel embarrassed. Is that so, where you sweat? <laughs> top lip? Is your top right lip where you sweat? Oh, yeah. Really? So I always say, like, whenever you see me on TV, I can yeah. do this thing where I sweat and I go, bloop. <laughs> right into and it. Like, that's a good technique. <laughs> like you see me do it. And like, so my mom is always like, you were nervous. You were touching your top lip. I'm like, I know I was. Just sweating. Just sweating. Well, I tell you, the crazy thing is that, you know, aside from sitting at home or going to restaurants and getting your friend's hair burned, is that <laughs> what is the what is the first big thing that you're looking forward to doing when the world, I don't even want to say gets back to normal because I don't think the world is going to be normal. Um, it's just going to be, what is the first thing you want to do? Is it anything I from like, you want to go where? I want to go home to England for a little oh, bit. Oh, England. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. I, not being able, I have like certain traditions and certain times of the year that my whole life I have spent in England every yeah. spring and summer. It's the best time to be in England. And yes. my two childhood best friends that I have known, one since the day I was born, mm-hmm. her mom came to visit my mom in the hospital and brought her food and laid her in the crib next to me. And we've been like, she's like, the, the, the one, the one, no, yeah. And then yeah. Sammy is the other one. Yes. So Flo and Sammy, and we've all been best friends for like 33 years. Wow, so wow, wow, wow. Not to be with them, not to be around them, not to see them for this long and to miss out on their kids and like yeah. stuff like that. Like I really, I really want to go home and just... Reconnect. And, yeah, just see everybody because it's, I know, you know, I'm a huge patriot for my country. I, I feel very patriotic and it's very hard at a time like this not to be with the people where you're from. You feel right. like you turned your back on your culture in a sure. sense. Sure, sure, your people and, and your, your life. You see, I'm the opposite of you. I hate everyone and I hate where <laughs> I come from. So I've been enjoying this vacation. I mean, everything leads to, mm, I can't, I Corona. In the beginning of quarantine, me and you were like talking. Yes. And you were like, and you were on the Instagram and you were just like in your pool in a floaty every living day. It. With the yes. dog, living your best life. And I was like, bitch, I need to move to Palm Springs. Yes, well, you know what it is? It's also just been this thing. It's like, I, I've talked with many people about it and I thought, you know, here it is, this, this, global pandemic and i think i couldn't get out outside of my own head because i couldn't help but take it personal i'm like oh my god this pandemic is stopping me from seeing my friends stopping me from working uh causing me to reflect on my life and i'm like this is wild but it really had nothing to do with me i mean it was the globe everybody on the planet was suffering in some way it was a very hard time yes yes. i couldn't control anything i was so outside of everything that i had known and everything that i had built for myself like yeah 
when it comes to, you know, just in my recovery, in, sure. in my life and, and everything. Like I, I was just all of a sudden like stripped of everything and took it very personally. And, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, this is happening to everyone. It ain't just yeah. me. And you start to feel better about it. But then I did have the fuck everyone. Yes. yes. Everybody sucks. Everyone's in it just for themselves. Nobody yes. cares. And you know, it's that moment yeah. when everybody's asking, how are you holding up? You okay? They love to say that in English. You okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I would honestly answer every time anyone asked me that, I'd be like, shit, how are you? <laughs> and and <Yeah>. moving on. <laughs> I'll tell you the best thing that I did during quarantine. Oh, don't tell me banana bread. No, I okay. will yeah. I just walked everywhere because I was, ah. I was on my own. Yeah. And my brother at that time, I lived very close to him. Yeah. Because I was like helping him with the kids and stuff. So I would walk to his house every day and I was putting down like five to nine miles a day. I think the most wow. I ever did was 11. Yeah. But I was just walking everywhere. And because of that, I lost the last bit of the weight that I was. Yes. So like while everyone was sat home eating. Yeah. Yes. I was walking on my own, so I was just walking so I could see other people or something because I was by myself. You see, we need, we we're going to definitely talk about the weight loss, but I also want to say, for those of you who don't know, walking in Los Angeles is a big fucking deal because nobody <laughs> walks. No one walks. No one. I, no one. I lived in New York where everybody walks. Walking is the easiest. It's quicker than a cab. It's quicker than the subway. Walking in you New York walk. is it's just what you fucking do. But here I got to LA about, what, five years ago when I was there. Uh, it was insanity it's like i would say i'm gonna go walk to the mall and my friend courtney act who you know yeah uh, like, what are you doing uh, yes yeah, like, what are you doing you have to take a car mary i'm like this is crazy <laughs> but just get off your ass and fucking walk so i can understand and the fact that you're walking in la that's pretty amazing and i know you touched on this before but as you said you know part of your recovery and i know you've been very open about mm -hmm. your addictions and the process you've gone through and when i'm just curious being home did any of that trigger any of those habits to think could I go there or could I not? Because oh usually... Oh, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I totally did go there. I really? went there. Oh, yeah. Oh, and... and, and it got really dark because there's... You have to remember this. Like, there's... Everything that you get taught in recovery is 12-step, go yeah. to meetings, um, be a part of the community, show up. Yeah. And then everything I knew got taken away from me. Wow. And the whole world changed. And I felt alone and abandoned. And yeah. I fucking lost it. No. And how Just long like were you? everyone else did. And it took me a second to come back from it. But realizing that, and not like, it wasn't like a, a bender or anything crazy. Yeah. It was just like, oh shit, I fell yeah. down and I need to get back up again. And it was as simple as that. And I got back up again and it was fine, but it was, it was disappointing. Mm -hmm. But I'm also human and I'm not yeah. perfect and my recovery is not perfect and it's never going to be perfect. And this is just something that I'm going to have to face and deal with for the rest of my life. And, that, and that's your positive outlook on it. I mean, that's yeah. your way of being, it's, it's, being it's, real. It, it makes me who I am. I will never lie. I will never not tell the truth. Am I sober yeah. today? 100%. Brilliant. Kudos, kudos, you know kudos, kudos. Yeah. But like, and that's all that matters. And I, I will tell you this for nothing. I put so much pressure on myself because I, in a sense, became like the celebrity poster child for recovery and how it works and everybody yeah. was turning on me. And the pressure on that alone, I will never talk about my time again. Yeah. Like how much time I have and how, um, how do I say it? How, you know, like I'd be like, I have this my three years. I yeah. have this 
time. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. And I realized that I was putting too much pressure on myself to be like this perfect picture of sobriety. And it ended up making me crack in the end. So right. it's got to be one of those things where, as they say, it's one day at a time. And if yeah. you put anything outside of that, that's when things start to get too messy for me. And you're also, you're also probably at this point now, if anything, doing it more for yourself than ever. You know, it's like- It's, it's not for own... anybody else. And that's the yes. whole thing. It's not yeah. for anybody else. Because the one thing that I realized is that no one cares if you relapse, unless it's a journalist who wants to make some salacious story. Right. Like I recently saw something where they- printed something about Miley Cyrus drinking again. And I was like, go fuck yourself. Agreed. Like, you're part of this problem. Let her go through whatever the fuck she's going through without you kind of turning it into a goddamn motherfucking spectacle. And that's what, you know, because there's so much shame associated with being an addict and, yes. you know, having these issues. And I'm going to have these issues until the day I die. They're not going anywhere. But Some things are so easy for me to deal with. And then all of a sudden, like the smallest little fucking thing can happen and you're like a full-blown psycho again well i can't imagine you know living your life especially as a young woman like you and miley have been or basically growing up in some form in the public eye what pressure exists do you know it's like the idea <laughs> of but it's also that cliche of like you can't handle it so you take a pill <laughs> yeah. like, and, like, and i was like i was that girl i was like come on, take it give me a pill give me some booze let's get through this give me a line yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh. I fucking, like i was back there at like fucked up for yeah. the, from the age of like 13 wow. to 33. Wow. And then wow. I started, but it was, I, I have to keep saying this because a lot of people always like, she was a partier. I wish it was a fucking party. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. I'm fun to be around. So that's why people associated it with partying. But, but I would Inside, it was fucking dying. Yeah, you know, it's it's the thing. I mean, I've gone through different phases of my life, and I'm, I'm 45 now, and I think about the years or chunks of time. 46 in June. I oh, know, I need a more that skin. But, oh, and it's red from my pool. Oh, it's so difficult being me. <laughs> uh, but the, the thing was, I had, you know, I had moments where I truly, I could say from maybe 25 to 32, that I couldn't tell you what the fuck happened, where I was, hey, and it hey. experimented in everything. Um, and I experimented kind of, everything but vagina. Yeah, which oh, is really? Disappointing. Oh no, not even on the drugs. Did you go? Let me lick it. Let me lick it. No, once. no, no. Really? I was so well, disappointed you in myself. I just was like, I wish that I was like gay so I could be proper member of the LGBTQ. <laughs> you well, you're almost there. You're an honorary, but I got to say, it's scary that I've had a vagina near me and you didn't. This is wild. Yeah. This is a first for me. I mean, this is good. But it's that thing, I think, over that period of time, I used to look at it as a badge of honor saying, oh, I've tried this. I've done this. I've done that. Exactly. I've done that. Exactly. Like, yeah. In the world. And like, it, just uh, the only, I'm telling you, the only thing I never did was vagina. That's crazy pants. That's crazy pants. And I have to say, like, if you were in, like, let's just do And it's not the lack of people trying. Trust me. It's just <laughs> never, like, it's just never been. Presented properly? Well, I feel like I'm a gay man trapped in a woman's body. Okay, that's all you got to say. You have taste. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Your shoes are too good to be a lesbian. Let's just leave it at that. You know, that's what it's about. I do find it. What was, what was, I mean, and not to, you know, stri stress all over the, the addiction stuff, but I am always fascinated by people because as I said, I've had my moments where, uh, what was the go-to 
that you would have. So would it would it be like, let me have a drink, or do I have to take a, no, a, a so, Vicodin, uh, or or what was the thing oh, that I'm, was I'm like hardcore? So oh yeah, hit me uh, hard. Yeah, hardcore. So I go straight into the deep end, and it's fucking a trash can of everything. So really, but this time it was just weed. Oh yeah, okay. And um, and I. Don't know if I have a problem with that, but yeah. it's not something that I necessarily want. I'm not playing with fate, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I get you. Uh, it's, it wasn't, I didn't jump in the deep end. I just dabbled in the light stuff, but yeah. it it didn't last long. Yeah, well, you know what's crazy is that I, I remember- I was like, I, I didn't really go out with a bang this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but that's good though. That's, you know your strengths. You have the track yeah. record. I used to think I, there was a time when I realized I had not gone on stage without a drink in, in quite a few years because it just kind the of first became- The time I did that in my life, do you want to know when it was? When? The Emmys too. <gasps> really? The first time you didn't have a drink, you were at the Emmys. The first time I didn't have anything, anything. in my body <sighs> and I posted something and I had a full-blown panic attack and almost fainted before. Okay, don't say another word. Okay, hold on one second. We're going to take a word from our sponsors and be back with Kelly Osborne to hear more about this moment where she could have died. We'll be right back. <laughs> 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 so, wait, she mentions okay. death and we go to commercial. Typical, right? <laughs> okay, all right and now we're back with Kelly Osborne. And I know that she was explaining a moment where she was about to die. And I felt it was important to mention our sponsors. That's how it works in Hollywood, kids. But she's back to tell us a moment that she went on stage for the first time without a drink. And I guess, you know, most people would say, I remember the time I went out there drunk. But me and Kelly both, I, I, I couldn't I tell you a time. And do one it was one of the most life-changing experiences for me in the sense that I had utterly convinced myself that without that invisibility cloak of toxicity within yeah. me from whether it's um, pills or alcohol, most of it was was drugs. Yeah. Um, I I didn't think I was capable and I didn't think I was worthy and I didn't think anyone liked me unless I was that crazy person. And to be able to do it and do a better job than I've ever done and mm -hmm. get like more like accolades and, and recognition and, and yeah. recognition from it. And then by the end of it, I was like, Oh my God, you really can do this. You don't need that. And it's I, like, I was more together. I wasn't slurring my words. I remembered my lines. Like everything yeah. was here. Like all that stress of like, don't fuck up because you're yeah. drunk is yeah. gone. Well, and, you you could remember the lines. <laughs> you yeah. didn't have to snort them. That's yeah, good. I wasn't That's snorting good. them. And, yeah. It's but, true. But it, it it was like this whole thing of like and little things like, for example, out my bedroom window, there's this hill that I can mm -hmm. see, and I used to be like, I could never fucking walk up that hill. There's no way. Yeah. Because yeah. inside, I'm always going to be like the form of fat person that I was. So yeah. yeah. And. A couple of weeks ago, I walked up that hill and it was the easiest thing I have ever done. And by the end of it, I was like, why do we tell ourselves that we can't do things that are very easily done? Yeah. So it's like you're looking out the window and you see this hill and you're thinking, uh, I There's can't no do it. There's no way I can ever walk up there. And I watch these people every day walk their dogs and like they're in like full like workout, like running with no shirts on. They've got mm. that perfect LA, I hate you body. Mm -hmm. Like I could never do that because it's like running Canyon Steep. There's Ooh. like 
girl, that Runyon Canyon. Let me right. tell you something. Oh. For those of you who don't know, Runyon Canyon is in L.A., West Hollywood. And it, it, there's like four different ways you can get up to the very top. There's like the Rocky Adventure route. Which way? There's like the Woody way. There's yes, there the is. There's the easy way and there's the really fuck off difficult way. Yep. And like... It smells like hot dog shit because everybody walks their dogs and doesn't pick up the shit. So you're like doing this crazy, like, I'm in LA, it's Hollywood, everything's great. I'm like, no, it smells like shit everywhere you go up there because no one picks up their dog shit. And then like by the time you get to the top, you're fucking dying and you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever done and I need a wee and it's going to take me two hours to get down this fucking hill. But there is the gay cruising side. Oh, honey. You heard about that one? heard about it i invented it <laughs> listen and let me just let me be upfront. i need to apologize for the smell of shit it wasn't dogs it was me the thing is <laughs> no i said and, and this has nothing to do with your sobriety but there should be a bar at the top of that mountain because when you oh get God, there I not be mad at that juice bar and give alcohol us a bar drink, yes that's what we need you need to you know get some 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 gift or a reward by the time you get to the top but there it is outside your window you think it you can't do it and then you do it and you go what's the big fuss about like what's the big deal right now you can tackle anything isn't that the case it is, it's true it is so true and it's like these little like these little mental roadblocks i call them that you you put up for yourself and by the time like you've done it you're like what? that's it that's uh-huh. it like, yeah, I feel that way about working out every time. I'm like, I can't do it. Oh, I know. It's that crazy trap because you know how good you're going to feel when you're doing it yeah. and, or after you're done. But yet you can't even get in the mindset to physically go and do it. And I mean, aside from, you know, you experiencing your alcoholism and all this madness, you've overcome this insane weight loss. So I got to know more about this bitch and I need to know how oh, and what no. and who and where and what took you from point A to point B where okay, you're like, so I'm taking control. Yeah. I stopped doing all of the shit that I was doing and I put myself into one year of intense therapy where I went every day, like oh, wow. every single day of the week. And it started off where you'd go for six hours a day. Mm-hmm. Six hours? My, yeah. Wait, six whole hours of listening and talking a about day. yourself? A day. a day. Oh, day. my God. Oh, my God. Let me you tell you. Up. Come on now. Oh, my God. Like, Six. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I don't think I could do it. And I was it. like, I owe it to myself. I'm going to take a year off, and I'm going to do this. And yes. then I took the year off. I did it. And I've never been more, like, broken and vulnerable and scared. So I would comfort myself with eating. Really? And I just switched addictions. And when I tell you I was shoveling that shit in my mouth, you had no fucking idea. I didn't give a fuck what it was. It was like, yeah. Whatever I could get my hands on, I would sit on my couch eating, eating and watching RuPaul's Drag Race because it was the only thing that made me smile. And so I... And we, in this process, though, you were going to therapy for alcoholism. Going, and, I was and, going and, to therapy and, for uh, trauma, alcoholism, PTSD. Like so the whole nothing, nothing to do with food. So, so you're comforting yourself with the food at the same time. I didn't know that it was as big of an issue for me. Ooh. And I didn't understand why I was so fucking hungry all the time. Like starving. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out that because I did uh, speed and forms of meth, whether it be Adderall, yeah. meth, Coke, whatever, sure. it been so long, and never fucking ate. Like, I never ate. Yeah. I was literally on champagne cocaine diet for a very long time. And it, um, it got to this point where my body was, like, in starvation mode because mm-hmm. I was overproducing this hormone. And it took me a really long time to figure out, and I went on this crazy diet where I was eating 500 calories a day and still gaining weight. Oh, wow. 
Wow. And so I was like, what is happening? I did the blood work. They figured out what the problem was. And then I was like, so what's my options here? Yeah. And they were like, oh, you should get the gastric sleeve. And I said, what do you mean? They go, well, that cuts that hormone out of your body if you do that. Okay. And I said, but isn't that like gastric bypass? Like that's a bit extreme. Like I'm not that big. I don't need to do that. And they're like, no, but it will, will help you. And then they listed all the ways and, and what it would do and made it very clear to me that this was not the uh, solution to the problem. It was a gentle nudge in the right direction. Correct. Because I went... I will tell you, like, I did this surgery. You you go and you do these, like, um, support groups and you meet people before you do it that are doing the surgery at the same time so that you have people to talk with about sure. what's happening. Your, and what your peers, yeah. yeah. So it's like this support group and you, you get put in a group. And I'm the only one from my group that kept the weight off. Really? Yeah, everyone's right back where they were or, like, See, headed towards that way. It, I hear that a lot about lottery winners. You know, people win the lottery and then everything's great. And then they lose all the fucking money because they don't know how to handle it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, yeah and then they die. But And then the family fights about it and then they're on hoarders. Yeah. But no, I think what's interesting about that is that I guess with everything, it's like any type of recovery or or uh, what you would say like um, uh, fix, fix your life moments where you're dealing with it. You're really either going to take it seriously or you're just going to go in your own head, eh, I'll get through it, and not really wanting to change. Exactly. But that meant that you were there at that time ready to change. You saw that there were solutions and you went with it. You know, it's kind of sink or swim moment. time in my life, I wanted it. You see? But don't you find, don't you find that all of those years of not wanting it is what brought you there? Do you know what I mean? Like if they did oh, it. If I fucking, it was like, stay the fuck away from me. If I'm not high, I'm nothing. Like, I don't want to do exactly. this. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, then when I realized that I was good enough without it, it it's all self-esteem, really. Yeah. It really comes down to it. And I, I realized that I have terrible OCD. Like, I am an obsessive compulsive. Welcome to me. In, mm -hmm. in a way that, like, I wish I had it to where it meant that I was tidy with things. Mm -hmm. Mine is with repetitious thoughts. Really? Okay. So, like. Before I went on medication for it, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd walk around my apartment saying the same thing over and over and over again, really? and then I'd be like, "Oh my god, you psycho! You've just been saying one sentence on repeat. Like, what are you doing?" And I started to notice little things like I I have to do everything the same way every day, and if something gets in the way of that, yeah. I freak out really so all of and this is happening all of, like the recovery the the surgery all of this is bringing to a place of not so much i guess it's just understanding yourself you out. know uh, and being, who I am, what works what doesn't work and accepting that you're not perfect that right. you're gonna fail at some things but being willing to try yes and my whole thing is like i am so all about second chances and forgiveness and understanding and educating and being a better person because that's all we can strive to be on this planet without a doubt and we it's all have you can strive to be when you think about it when it's all said and done you can't take your money with you when you leave this world you can't take your possessions you can't you can only leave behind the kind of person that you are and how you've made people feel well and i disagree because i'm taking <laughs> all my money i'm taking all my money and all my shit with me like, like king time like, yes <laughs> I was about to say that. Except I would be king too damn common, uh, would be me. Just just rotted cotton. Rotted, rotted, rotted. But no, it's the thing of like, yeah, it, it, I find, and I know many people that have been through all forms of recovery and also self, you know, uh, self-evaluation, that mm. it really is taking ownership of yourself, of your life, not making excuses. I mean, how hard is it not to make an excuse? You have oh, to go. I think the hardest thing I ever had to learn in my life is not to make an excuse for my shit behavior. And just it's be like, hard. 
Yeah. And then you also realize the closest people around you don't want to hear it anymore. Like, here she comes with that damn excuse. Here she comes with yeah, her bullshit. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, fuck you. It's the truth. And you <laughs> ended up realizing that you turned yourself into the boy who cried wolf and no one gives a fuck. Yes. Yes, completely. You got that, like, oh, I did this. But that's something for me that has been one of the greatest joys of recovery is getting, for me anyway, I don't know if this is for anyone else, is getting to go back and make up for the mistakes I've made and look the people in the face that I have hurt in the eyes and say sorry oh yeah um, make up to the communities that i've disappointed you know there's been a lot and it's so much fun to go out and like make amends and how yeah. much it makes you feel i know that's selfish but no, it's not selfish no because it's also just you know acknowledging your actions and also being self-aware of hey i did this i fucked up i'm gonna throw this in your plate and try to be a better person you accept it or you don't you know here it is that's the thing. and it's not about and if they don't that's cool i didn't do that for them Right. I did it so that I know that when I put my head on my pillow at the end of the night, that I've been a good person and I, I'm trying to make this world a better place. And, and that's, that's and you're you're doing this by by starting a new podcast, and this is what we want to talk about as well. You're starting a new podcast called the Kelly Osborne and Jeff Beecher Show. It's a new I podcast. Hate your name. Oh, you do. Well, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, you know what happened to me is that I was thinking to be, I was trying to be clever, and I asked people to come up with names for huh. my podcast. So I said, put it out there, come up with some names, and the shit they came back with girl conversations with a cunt like i can't make that my title (laughs) god's other child bianca no i can't like i can't get reputable people to come on the show if they think it's a you know a talking vagina no so i just i stuck come on yeah i know you would i can count on you uh she doesn't lick vagina but she'll talk to it she doesn't lick vagina okay yeah but so the, the crazy thing is this new this new podcast you're on, you're on with Jeff Beecher, and Jeff Beecher kind of had the same story as you as a remarkable yeah. weight loss journey. He was, he was the one that was like, you should do the surgery. You should do the surgery. Yes. And how and did I'm, you meet him? How did you okay, meet so, Jeff? Okay, so Jeff and I have known each other. He hates when I say this because he says that it makes him sound like a pervert, mm-hmm. but I've known him since I was 15. That's not bad. And I met him because one of the girls that was on OzFest when we got to New York was like, Hey, do you want to go out, go to some clubs? I was like 15 years old. I was of like, course. yes, I fucking do. <laughs> and yeah. she went to high school with Jonathan Shebin, who mm-hmm. is the food god, who is Kim Kardashian's best friend. Got it. And she introduced me to Jonathan, and Jonathan introduced me to Jeff. And Jeff at this point was like the king of comedy in New York City, had the mm-hmm. biggest Broadway comedy show. And we, he was, to me, like was the funniest guy ever. And I used to just get drunk and hang out with him because he's funny yeah and he took me he took me like my very first night in new york he took me to sweet 16 i remember oh. i was even 16 oh and like it's so like all of these like ter- and then i was like in at that time was when i would spend my first half the night with him and then i would switch and go to the cock with oh. uh, amy phillips oh. richie rich and jason kaplan oh, oh, oh. and then yeah <laughs> so that cock like, okay the first half of my night would be like Oof. Straight people stuff, and then yeah. I would switch and be like dancing up at the clock until the sun came up. <laughs> okay, if anybody doesn't know, Kelly Osborne is very versatile. This is good. This is good. <laughs> she is versatile, and you know what? That's the way to do it because you don't want to start your night with the gays. You have to end yeah. your night with the end, gays. You end mm-hmm. with the bang. Come on. Yeah, you end with the bang. So he, of course, becomes your friend, and you two click and mesh, and you get along. And, and, and we've been friends, and then literally, he then 
gets a, he starts touring with the show. Then he moves to Vegas with the show. And then after Vegas, he moves to um, the Roosevelt and mm -hmm. it's the Beaches Madhouse and I become the creative director. Brilliant. And I bring in all the talent and I hire everyone. We put the show together. We put the acts together. I did the so this was, this was your this was your first like working collaboration that you two yes. did together. Yeah, and before so, you would just hang out. Got it. Yeah. He threw my 21st birthday for me, like all that kind of stuff. Like we were really, really good friends. And then we just started accidentally working together because he's like, I, I need your help. Can you help me with this? Mm -hmm. And I came in and I put the show together. And like we, it would be like the craziest stuff would be going on in that club. And it would be me just sat there. And I don't think that any of the promoters really realized what it was that I did there. They mm -hmm. just thought I was like some celebrity hanging out because they would always be very like shoo shoo of me. I'm like, yeah. I actually like put uh, the entire show on. And it, that's the club where we first met. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. So in this moment, you and him create this bond. You've worked together. You do this. And then how do you end up from that? on this weight loss journey, like through the process. Okay, so Jeff and I, we have this thing where it's like, if he's not having a mental breakdown, I'm having a mental breakdown. That's and convenient. We're the mm -hmm. there to mm -hmm. look after each other. So whenever there's a problem, he's always like, can you come? I need you to save me. Yeah. And we've always had that kind of relationship. So then we started doing the madhouse and it's like, you have to remember like we have like, so what I always have always said is what you call freaks, we call family. Yes, of, so, of course. Yeah. You call freaks, we call family. So it is the bearded lady, little people, transgender. Um, we have incredible drag queens like Vicky Vox. Yes. And, oh, I love um, And different little people that do incredible different routines and acts. And it it gave them a, a place to belong. A platform. A platform and, and it, a family. It, yeah. And, and it was like we created this family. And during... Um, we've decided like the club world, like we're not club people anymore. I'm right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if it's a club, I will always go, but I'm not a straight club person anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, not, it's just not like, it's, it's not highly fun. overrated. It's it's so done. It's, it's, <laughs> done. it's so, so done. We're, we're like, why can't we bring the magic of the madhouse back again? Yeah. And we figured the only way that we could do that was with a podcast because that way we have the freedom to do whatever the fuck we want. And no one's going to tell us, you can't do this. No one's going to censor us. Nobody's going to stop us from sharing the stories that we have that are very adult and very yeah. inappropriate. Like, you know, like we were talking about all the, the NBA dick that Amazon Ashley was getting while in the club on our <laughs> last episode. Like, and we were like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. And like yeah. the time where Mick Jagger ended up crawling out on his hands and knees because one of the little people got drunk and turned the smoke machine on in his face and the fire alarm went off and we got shut down and like all of this stuff <laughs> that was going on. So we were like, bring it all back. And yes, bring please. It all back. So we've got like, we've got Weemat, Donnie Davis, um, Amazon Ashley, Vicky Vox, if she'll come back because of I know of course she was. She's the best. Like, I love her so much. Oh, Vicky Box no is idea. one of the best. Uh, one of my favorite people. She come out here and stayed at my house. We cackled, and they got that little dog biscuit, which is I her love little okay, love. Okay, the bitch was walking biscuit the other day, and I saw her at the stop at uh, the traffic light on like Highland and Sunset. No, uh, no, Sunset, uh, uh, Hollywood. And I screamed out the window. I'm like Vicky Box, <laughs> and she fucking. Like that, I mean, I was like, it's Kelly, you bitch. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I get this text message being like, oh my God, I can't believe it was you. How's your heart? And I was like, broken now that you ignored me. You should shoot me. Who oh, look at her on a street corner acting all fancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all right, we're going we're gonna to take a short break with Kelly Osborne and be back shortly with more Gab. And here's a word from our sponsors. 
And we're back with Miss Kelly Osborne, who was just discussing her wild nights with Mr. Jeff Beecher. And they have a brand new podcast that's premiering on May 4th, 2021. It's called The Kelly Osborne and Jeff Beecher Show. Now tell us, Kelly, where can uh, we... Let me say it, it annoys me. Me and him still keep fighting about oh. the name of the show. Well, what are you, well you're, you're going to come up with something. The trick is, at least your name is in it, so people know it's you. So once you get it, once you have it out, you can probably change the because, name. Because like, my whole thing is, like, all these podcasts that are huge, except for Joe Rogan... Yeah. Everybody has like a name, and I'm yeah. like, we need a name. No, and he's, yeah. no, we don't. No, and we I, keep fighting about it, even when we're on recording episodes. It's so funny. <laughs> Well, that's good, though. Well, you know, the thing is, don't leave it up to your people to come up with it, because I tried, and the shit that came back, <laughs> I learned I learned what people thought of me, and I thought, people fucking, they know me. They get me. So well, I, It's so funny, though. I remember how I was first introduced to you, the description of you. Oh, God. Nothing <laughs> like you well, Wait, they was me, this a, a description or something you read in the bathroom? No. What, what, they what? Told me, remember, like, because uh, you remember my, my trousers split. Well, let's cut to. Like, so we are at the Roosevelt Hotel. So this is when I actually first met Kelly because I'd seen you. It was after I saw you at Life Ball, which is a whole yeah. other thing. But we uh, we were doing the premiere. This is the shady setup. So we were doing the premiere for RuPaul's Drag Race. And if anybody remembers from season six, our, my season, there was two episodes that broke up the first episode. So in the first episode, you met seven contestants. That second. was the first season they ever did that. And now yes. this season is the second season they did mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Whatever. The season that never ends. Okay. And then what happened was um, we were all, we were flown to Los Angeles. I was living in New York at the time. We were flown to Los Angeles. We were staying at the Roosevelt Hotel and we were going to do this premiere night. So we're quite excited knowing we're just in the first, we're the second group. We thought, oh, they're going to obviously show us both episodes with this audience. Nope, they did not. So we were there for a screening to watch six other bitches go through, <laughs> and we didn't care, but we also had to perform, and Kelly was the host of the show. Uh, I think RuPaul came out in the beginning and said, hello, hello, and then ran. So, yeah, of course, she had things to do. Uh, so here it was, Kelly was hosting the show, and I was backstage, and I was, because, I don't know what the order was, but I was somewhere towards the end of the show where there was a crisis. Kelly was in this cute little tuxedo number, and apparently, I did a high kick because I felt really good about myself. <laughs> well, <laughs> I split my trousers. <laughs> she split her fucking pants. And of course, somebody from backstage comes up and says, does anybody have any needle and thread? And if anybody knows me, I've got everything you need in my suitcase. So I was like, I've got needle and thread. Now, granted, I'm tipsy and pissed because I know that I'm and not going to. And by gonna... this time, I'm shit faced. Yes. I'm well, but... so we're a good team at this point. <laughs> and she's got ripped pants. I've got thread and needle. I don't know what's going to happen. I go backstage. She takes off her pants and I sat there mending <laughs> the crotch of her Wait, pants. Still, if you go on my Instagram, there's a picture of me standing there and like you're st- sat there stitching. It's okay, crazy. so before I met you, this is what they told me. What? They were like, okay, Bianca Del Rio's back there and, and she can do it. But, and I was like, what? And I was like, how do I go, do you know she can sew? And they're like, yeah, she works on Broadway making costumes, is what they told me. And they go, but she's a bitch. And I was like, Oh, it's fine. Oh. And I go back there and you were everything but. And I was so yeah. obsessed. I was like, what? And I was like, what did this queen do? What, but, the, but that's the whole thing. That's all the, a friend of mine said, a friend of mine said, I mean, it's the reputation I get. I think it's because whatever you do on stage, people think is what you are in real life. And it's kind of funny, but in but that's, like, 
Bianca, there is no one quicker than you. Oh, no, there's many people quicker. But the, but the crazy part about it was that... I think that you are so quick and you get me every fucking time. There are times when you come at people and, like, I wee a little bit because it's just like... <laughs> well, that's why you're breaking your pants, bitch. You're weeing in them. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> She's dampening the threads. I am well, that was our that was our introduction. Look, hold on, Bianca. Yeah, show me. Oh, the pants. Wait, wait. Let me get a screenshot. Okay, okay, Here's look, the suit. Here's the suit. Wait, let me get my phone out and take a picture. Remember, it was and my Ted Baker suit. I still have it because I saved it because you sewed the crotch on there. I don't, look, I don't um, even know how I did it because I was drunk as a skunk. So don't look okay, at the let stitching. Me see, let's see if I can. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Look, no. See. Look. It, how scary. Oh, there. Wait. We'll take a picture of that. Uh, there we go. No, I don't know what I did. It was just like, go back and forth, go back and forth, go back it, and forth. But like, it worked. Well, like, it never came undone again. See, and I'm like, and now this suit is way too big for me and everything, but like, I good. keep it because you fixed it. Well, and keep it for the museum. Keep it for the museum. I'm going to keep it for the fashion museum. But in like it, every single time I ever look at that suit. Memories. Just, memories. And I remember standing there and like my <laughs> naked ass and falling your like stitching up the crotch of my trousers being like, I really hope I didn't sweat in them. And he's touching them. And like, well, oh, I hope you didn't off. have another sweaty upper lip down there. But that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Now, there is no way, there is no absolute way that we can get through this interview without discussing something else you and I have in common besides drugs, pants, drags, <laughs> and drag. some of the same faggots, uh, is that we both have such huge love and respect and worshipped Miss Joan Rivers. And you, You're you know, head. had the amazing privilege of five years on, on Fashion Police with her. I, I mean, did. oh, well, how many with her? I, I know that things changed after uh, when the show switched over. I mean, the best, I will honestly say this without question, the best years of my life so far, the best mentor I have ever had. I don't think I will ever have a a better one. Yeah. When I tell you, I spoke to her every single day, the day she hired me and she passed every single day and she would call me and she'd call me. And this is what she'd always be like. Hey, my Kelly girl. And then she'd go, who hates you today? <laughs> and then I'd tell her and she'd be like, fabulous. <laughs> and then she'd tell me about what I should say and what I should do whenever there yeah. was a problem. Like, I, at one point, there was a time where I was going to Joan. I, I stopped even going to my mom for anything because really? she was such a huge part of everything that I did. And Melissa is still like... I had a huge catch up with Melissa actually a couple a week ago and we're seeing each other next week. And it's just, it was so hard for me for a long time to be around Melissa because it just reminded me of Joan and I, it was too hard. It was of course. too hard because she looks so much like her mom. Yes. She is so much like her mom. And it was, it took me a minute. Yeah. Well, I think it, it was also this thing. And I, I mean, I think I speak collectively for so many people in general is that, you know, even at 80 years old, Joan wasn't going nowhere. You know, no. it was that thing of where you're like, she had the stamina, she had uh, the I drive. remember what the last thing she said to me was, is that I was, I loved her so much that I hated missing work. Like yeah. I, I would go to work sick. I would yeah. go to, I had pneumonia and I was still going to work because I didn't want to miss anything with Joan because I was yeah. just, I loved her. I'd yes. do anything for her. And yes. we, um, 
I was sat there and I was coughing and she looked at me and she goes, you need to go to the doctor. You need to leave and go to the doctor. And she made them let me leave early. And she goes, I'm going for a procedure. I love you, Kelly girl. I'll see you next week. (sighs) I went to the hospital. I went to the doctor. He said, can you do me a favor and cough into this tissue? I coughed into a tissue and then he took me straight to the hospital and I was in the hospital and then I woke up the next day because they did this like breathing treatment thing and it made me really tired and I wasn't well. And then they came in and told me that Joan had fallen into a coma and what had happened. Yeah. And I discharged myself. Yeah. And flew to New York against medical advice. Yeah. And it was like, it's so, I can't even begin to tell you that my world got just, it went from being perfect to nothing. Yeah. Like everything yeah. that I thought that I was going to do, that I knew that my life was what we had plans. Like, like we yeah. we had plans on that show. We had stuff that we were doing. There's one episode that you guys have never seen. Really, yeah. really, that's there's in the vault somewhere. Ep- there's one episode of Fashion Place with Joan that you guys have never seen. Oh, do you think that's ever going to come to light? In time. I don't know. I mean, I have such bad blood with certain cast members from that show, and they know why it's not even worth bringing yeah, up. Yeah, but, Like, for example, the rest of us are all still very close and all still very family. Well, so, that's good to hear. That's good to yeah, hear. No, the rest I, of us are, and I always have been. That never changed. And, you know, like, I will never be, like, never be able to move forward in that world without the like. I've been offered to do a new fashion show. First thing I did, called Melissa and Teller. Like, of course, of course, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, it's people you bonded with, people that, you know, that opened up your world. And when you're introduced to somebody as fabulous as Joan was, and, and I had a, a similar experience with getting to do In Bed with Joan with her, is that... She fucking she, adored you. Oh, bitch, I was a 10-year-old boy pissing myself. You know, it was <laughs> like, this is crazy. But in the end, I got to say, for somebody who was established, a star, uh, didn't need to be nice... And was, was? in the fucking world. Yes. The most generous person ever. Exactly. Yes. And you know what she always used to do? She always used to go and buy me books, like things that she thought that I should read. Yeah. The two books, that, the last two books I remember she bought me was one about Charles Manson. Oh, okay. All and right. then yeah, the next one was one called Home. Yeah. And basically it told you why everything in your home was named what it was and goes back to the history of everything. Yeah. And it was one of the most interesting books I've ever read. And I never would have read it in a million years if Joan didn't give it to me. And it was always stuff like she made me, every time I went to New York, I had to see a Broadway play. I kept that tradition. Brilliant. The last time because of COVID. Yes. I came to England. Like uh, when you're in London, you go to the West and you see one play. Yes. If you see a comedy show, you go. Yes. Uh, it's, it's all I, the, the world of comedy, I feel like I'm not a comedian, but I feel very um, embraced by the world of comedy as oh, a yeah. Joan. Yes. Well, there's like affinity between stand up comedians, as you know, that like they get it. And yeah. for some reason, because of Joan, I was inducted into this world, even though I'm not a comedian. And yeah. to see how everybody embraces each other and, and the mark that one woman left oh. behind. Unbelievable. One woman. Unbelievable. It's everything that she had done. Like I'm getting goosebumps even thinking about it. Yes. And you know, well, she's like, probably laughing at us right now. She's laughing know, at us right now. Going, things that happen where I'm like, I know that was you, bitch. Like, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? Because you know it. Like there's no fucking way. Like, yes. the, and it's like it, it will always make me giggle. And 
knowing how she was naughty and no matter what she would like if she went somewhere fantasy she'd always steal something like, yeah one i love thing. it no, love no one ever knew and she'd yeah. be like what'd you steal this week and then she'd be like well i was in the houses of lords and i stole their ashtray and i was like <laughs> so at her one thing that i would tell i've never told anybody this i think oh, this would kill me um as at, at her um funeral afterwards everybody went to her house mm-hmm. to sit shiver for a bit and I stole one of uh, her uh, no. washcloths that had her initials on. Oh, brilliant. See, she would have loved it. She would have embraced yeah. it. I mean, come on. I tell you. I was like, I'm taking this. And yeah. like little things that like, that she made me such a better person and such a smarter person, such a wiser woman and more confident in myself because yeah. she didn't need to believe in myself. Yep. She, well, she's the one who did that. And you see, what a remarkable turn of events that's happened. You know, now you can sit back and look at your life and go, look where I came from, look where I've been, the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys. And And now... that I've got to uh, meet and work with, I am so fucking lucky. Yes. Yes. And now, I've always said this, you know, I've had ups and downs and some great moments. I go, now it's my responsibility to treat and give that back to someone else. So now that's on you. So now you've got to be that person for someone else. I mean, don't encourage stealing unless it's good shit. But I mean... In theory, you need to be like, that person, you know? So people didn't know what time, because like Joan was such a hard worker. We yeah. worked her schedule. We would film Fashion Police at 4 a.m. on a Thursday. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, so, when I did In Bed with Joan, she had done a, a Fashion Police and then was flying uh, yeah. to Los Angeles to do and that. She would do- always do, so I, she always flew American Airlines. And yeah. I, because of Joan, Will only, only fly, fly American Airlines by preferred yes. because Joan, because when I get on the plane, the in-flight staff remembers Joan and they tell me stories. And Aww. she always used to take the leftover food from the plane for her dogs oh. and like all sorts of like I swear to God, like all I love the it. shit. And they and they, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've fallen asleep on a plane and I've woken up to a note from. One of the in-flight staff being like, I just want to let you know that I helped you. And because me and Joan would fly together all the time after the yeah. show, going to New York to do other stuff. Yeah. And they were just re- remembering stories about her. Oh. And it always like, they, I, I can't even begin to tell you what an incredible experience it was. And she would always look around and she, this is what she said every day before we'd film. Remember this moment and remember how lucky we are because we have a hit show. We yeah. all really love each other and we have fun. Oh, that's amazing. And what a, a, a like, what, and, yeah. And I, I'd be like, I'll never forget. And like, and, and getting the chance to sit next to her every single week yeah. and have her at my speed dial every single day. Like, I'll tell you this, my firstborn child will be named Joan. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Boy, girl, whatever. It's yes, Joan. It's Joan. <laughs> Come here, little Joan. <laughs> that's, that's, she would love it. She would yeah. love it. And their first word would be, fuck you. Fuck no, you. I love it. I love it. Well, I cannot thank you for coming and chatting with me today. I adore you. I appreciate you. Okay, and- but you have to return the favor and come on my podcast. You promise? And listen, I will come on your anything. Yeah, we can do this. We got <laughs> it. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> it's kinky. I'll wear my tits. Um, no, I will. I would gladly come on your uh, your podcast. And so, for those of you just tuning in, you need to tune into the fabulous Kelly Osborne and Jeff Beecher show. It's a new podcast that they have that 
will start May 4th, 2021. It's, of course, it's available. It'll be with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm ready for it. And it's all available wherever podcasts are. So do check it out, you know? So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for laughing. Thank you for sharing your pants. Thank you for sharing your love for Joan Can with I me. I come see you in Palm Springs now, please? Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, get on the plane. Because I'm going to go up and see um, Jonathan Bennett and, and James, and they okay. just moved into their new place. And so I'll come and see you for one day. I'm here. You pick it. You let me know. I got the pool ready. I, I welcome I you at any that. point. At any point. Thank you. I love you so much, Bianca. I love you, my angel. Make sure we lock everything up when this bitch comes over. All right. (laughs) Don't steal anything. Steal your shit. (laughs) I love you to pieces and thank you for talking with me today. Much love. Star Bands Avenue, a podcast network.